Hey, neighbor. I sure am glad you made it back to the front porch. Nothing like sitting out on the porch on a nice summer's evening, spending some time together, drinking a cup of joe, talking about life. So I'm so glad you're here. Let's get this thing started. Hey, you're listening to Guat Rocks, God, the world, and other things. I'm Kenny Price, your host. Our mission, advancing equilibrium in the midst of an agitated world. Folks, if we're going to stand strong today and live lives that please God in the midst of this evil time, we're going to have to get God's mind on the matter. Psalm 73 gives us that. Listen to what the psalmist says. Psalm 73, a psalm of Asaph. God is indeed good to Israel, to the pure in heart. But as for me, my feet almost slipped. My steps nearly went astray. For I envied the arrogant. I saw the prosperity of the wicked. They have an easy time until they die, and their bodies are well fed. They are not in trouble like others. They are not afflicted like most people. Therefore, pride is their necklace, and violence covers them like a garment. Their eyes bulge out from fatness. The imaginations of their hearts run wild. They mock, and they speak maliciously. They arrogantly threaten oppression. They set their mouths against heaven, and their tongues strut across the earth. Therefore his people turn to them and drink in their overflowing words. The wicked say, how can God know? Does the Most High know everything? Look at them, the wicked. They are always at ease and they increase their wealth. Did I purify my heart and wash my hands in innocence for nothing? For I am afflicted all day long and punished in every morning. If I had decided to say these things aloud, I would have betrayed your people. When I tried to understand all this, it seemed hopeless until I entered God's sanctuary. Then I understood their destiny. Indeed, you put them in slippery places. You make them fall into ruin. How suddenly they become a desolation. They come to an end, swept away by terrors. Like one waking from a dream, Lord, when arising, you will despise their image. When I became embittered and my innermost being was wounded, I was stupid and didn't understand. I was an unthinking animal toward you. Yet I am always with you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, and afterward you will take me up in glory. Who do I have in heaven but you? And I desire nothing on earth but you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart, my portion forever. Those far from you will certainly perish. You destroy all who are unfaithful to you. But as for me, God's presence is my good. I have made the Lord God my refuge, so I can tell about all you do. Doesn't that sound like a page right out of today's newspaper, so to speak, even though we don't really get newspapers anymore? But doesn't that sound like a news report? The description of the things we see happening in our cities. And yet we see here that God has some things that he wants us to know so that we can be stable, so that we can live lives that please him and that we can have a peace in our heart that passes understanding. As I mentioned in my last podcast, I want to keep my comments regarding this psalm brief 
because I really want you to focus your mind on Psalm 73. One has described this psalm as a journey from the dark night of doubt to the dawn of faith. And I want to encourage you that if you and I are going to have a heart of peace, we must listen to these words of wisdom today and allow them to remind us that, number one, God is just and always does what is right, both to the righteous and the wicked. There in verse 17, the pivot point in the entire psalm, the writer's attitude changed and his heart changed when it says, until I entered God's sanctuary. When he entered God's sanctuary, then he saw the wicked from God's perspective, and he saw himself from God's perspective. And so if you and I are going to have that heart of peace that God so desires for us, we've got to look at things from God's perspective, and we can make a strong statement of faith. God is good to the pure in heart. The antidote to the intoxicating, damaging, alluring power and prestige of the wicked is to focus our hearts and minds on the goodness of God. The writer of Hebrews puts it this way in Hebrews chapter 12. Therefore, since we also have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy that lay before him, he endured the cross despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Number two, we must abandon the sin of envy of the prosperity of the wicked. Envy is a feeling of discontented or resentful longing aroused by someone else's possessions, power, and prestige. It can put us on the slippery slope of doubt, hopelessness, betrayal, embitterment, inner wounding, stupidity, and brutish behavior toward God all attitudes of the heart that can derail us. In the wiki article on the seven sins, that's hard to say, on the wiki article on the seven deadly sins, it has a great overview of envy. It arises from vanity and severs a man from his neighbor. Malicious envy is similar to jealousy in that they both feel discontent towards someone's traits, status, abilities, or reward. A difference is that the envious also desire the entity and coveted. Envy can be directly related to the Ten Commandments. Specifically, it says, Neither shall you covet anything that belongs to your neighbor. Dante defined envy as a desire to deprive other men of theirs. A desire to deprive other men of theirs. And Dante's purgatory, the punishment for the envious, is to have their eyes sewn shut with wire because they gain sinful pleasure from seeing others brought low. According to St. Thomas Aquinas, the struggle aroused by envy has three stages. During the first stage, the the envious person attempts to lower another's reputation. In the middle stage, the envious person receives either joy at another's misfortune, if he succeeds in defaming the other person, or grief at another's prosperity, if he fails. The third stage is hatred because sorrow causes hatred. Envy is said to be the motivation behind Cain murdering his brother Abel, as Cain envied Abel because God favored Abel's sacrifice over Cain's. Bertrand Russell said that envy was one of the most potent causes of unhappiness, bringing sorrow to committers of envy while giving them the urge to inflict pain upon others. In accordance with the most widely accepted views, only pride weighs down the soul more than envy, 
among the capital sins. Folks, isn't that what we see happening before us today with the wicked? If you want to know why people are rioting in the streets, why people are pulling down statues, why people are burning establishments, looting establishments, it comes from the sin of envy. They look at the people who seem to have it all, and they want what they have. If they can't have what they have, then they want to bring that person low. They want to remove them from their position. And so it's a, it's a desperate cycle. It's a dangerous cycle to end up in the sin of envy. And so we must abandon the sin of envy of the prosperity of the wicked. No doubt about it, when you see someone that's extremely rich, they seem to have everything. They seem to thumb their nose in the face of God and taunt the, the righteousness of God. It's intoxicating. It's alluring. But the Bible says we must abandon the sin of envy. Number three, we need to remember the prosperity of the wicked is temporary. The Bible here talks about their destiny. It's to fall into ruin, sudden desolation. It says they're going to come to an end. It says that they are swept away by terrors, that they have certain perishing destruction at the hands of Almighty God. And that word destruction, it doesn't mean to just die. It's a fate worse than death. It's eternal destruction. We know from the New Testament that that eternal destruction is in a very real place called hell. So number four, remember the security of the righteous is permanent. This psalm reminds us that the security of the righteous is permanent. The psalmist says that you will take me up in glory. It says God is the strength of my heart. He's my portion forever. And so, folks, when it looks like we're losing ground, when it appears that God has forsaken us or forgotten us, we've got to recalibrate our thinking and make a strong statement of faith and say that God is just and he always does what is right and he is good to us. The second thing we've got to do is we've got to give up the, the sin of envy of the people that seem to have it all who are against God. It doesn't work. The end of that is destruction and their prosperity is temporary. And yet as we place our faith and trust in Christ alone for our salvation and we turn to the holy God and we confess that regardless of what we see with our eyes, that in the end we know that God is just and he always does what is right, we are going to have that place of peace that God so desperately wants us to have and we're going to be at peace in our hearts with God. Dear friend, I hope this encourages you. Take time to pray for those that you see about you who are living in sadness, who are living in grief, who are living in despair. Sometimes we know people that seem to just live in a state of being wounded in their souls, in their inner person, and they end up making ridiculous statements about God or doing stupid things to themselves or to others. And yet we have to remember that these things all come out of sin and that none of us are beyond the, the allurement of the prosperity of the wicked. That's why this psalm is given to you and to me to, as a reminder, as a warning that we've got to give it up. And the bottom line is recalibrate our thinking and turn to God and His righteousness and to know that He's on the throne. He is going to succeed in carrying out His will upon the earth. And as His children, we have the promise of being able to share the good news about Jesus. It says to tell 
about God's goodness to others. So with that, I bid you peace. <laughs>